everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast here on the Teardown Feed. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I do these 12 questions every week with a different race car driver. And this week we have Daytona 500 champion Michael McDowell, who's actually 13th in points right now. So uh, aside from just having a great run at Daytona, has been able to back it up so far with a playoff caliber season through the first 11 races in the NASCAR Cup Series. And he is the guest this week on the 12 questions. Excited to have him. Uh, known Michael for quite a while now, um, I guess since his rookie year in, in Cup. And uh, when he sort of came out of nowhere and burst on the scene, he's done a lot of these interviews over the years, probably one every year, if I'm not mistaken. And um, let's go ahead and jump right into this year's version. All right, everybody, I'm here with Michael McDowell. And Michael, uh, the first question is, when you meet someone who doesn't know who you are, do you ever lie about what you do for a living? Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I typically don't try to lie directly, but I will avoid it or tell them that I work in racing or motorsports or sometimes I tell people I work for NASCAR. Um, That's just kind of what comes out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you like you're just kind of hoping that they don't ask a ton of questions and they just kind of move up. They kind of drop it. Uh, it just depends. You know, like every interaction is a little bit different. Right. So I won't try to avoid people with it. It's not that. But I'm also I'm not trying to introduce it so that it becomes more of a conversation than it has to be. So uh-huh. it's more of the, that balancing act of feeling it out. Like if you're sitting next to somebody on the airplane and they're wanting to have a conversation, then you would, you know, talk more about it. But you know, if it's, I'm not trying to add fame to my, uh, to my collection during the conversation. Yeah, I got you. Uh, which current NASCAR driver have you known for the longest? It's kind of interesting in your case, cause you didn't come up in a path where you were racing with a ton of these I know, guys. I know that's what I was thinking about. You know, like if, if AJ was running in the cup series right now, it'd be AJ because we started racing go-karts together and up through open wheel and formula cars and things like that. So I'm trying to, he counts though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done. A yeah. Couple. So AJ yeah. for sure. I mean, I've been racing with AJ since I was 10 years old, you know? Um, and even though at times we've been in different classes, we pretty much have come up through the ranks, um, at the same time. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, can you describe to us what it feels like to crash in a race car? It hurts. Um, you know, our cars are extremely safe and I think that the drivers know that, but when we say that, I think sometimes fans think that it doesn't hurt. It hurts. Like when you hit the wall hard, it feels like somebody took a two by four and, and hit you as hard as they could with it. I mean, that's the kind of feel that you have, like, not only does it hurt, but it stings and it bruises and you feel it for a week or two. It's not something that's just like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, you know? Um, but at the same time, you're not breaking anything and you're not, you know, having these bad injuries that you used to see 30, 40, you know, years ago or even sooner than that. So, um, but a couple of things that, you know, depending on the accident, usually right before you're about to hit, everything slows down. And um, sometimes it gets quiet depending on how big of an accident it is. You know, I think like a lot of times when you have a heavy impact or like um, where you're flipping, 
the sound changes quite a bit where you hear just certain things. You don't hear everything, which is kind of weird, just how your brain processes and does, you know, in those fight or flight moments where um, your mind's telling you to hang on for dear life. But yeah, so I don't know if that answered the question or not. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's so crazy how different drivers, like everybody's said it a little bit different way. So that's really interesting that you, that you say that. Um, do you have any new habits or lifestyle changes you've made lately that you're particularly proud of? Ooh, um, I think changes would be, I've calmed down a little bit the last three or four years. So, um, I think that's just age though. Um, (laughs) it's, it's not so much patient, but I just don't get as worked up as I used to, you know, there'd be like certain things that would make me go red mist, like, you know, just. And now I just don't get there that easy. It takes a lot to get me there. Oh man, that's a great quality. (laughs) I'm still working on that. Yeah, I am too, Uh, Um, but it's getting easier. And I don't, I don't really, I can't put anything to it. It it isn't like any self-help things, you know, it just seems like just not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. 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 What makes you laugh during a race? Um, I laugh during the race when with aggression and when people get worked up um you can you can sense it you know when somebody is getting worked up and they're getting frustrated either with you or with somebody else and you know there'll be a lot of times that somebody will make a move and and you know if if you're watching it happen you're like oh that's kind of a messed up move but it makes you chuckle a little bit seeing it all play (laughs) out um what is a quality or skill you envy in other drivers? Um, well, I think everybody has some unique skills, you know, I, I, I do a lot of like analyzing, you know, and I'm, I like the data side of it and I like video and each driver has their own unique stuff, you know, like uh, I admire Denny a lot because of how calm he can stay in high pressure situations. Like he, um, he doesn't, seem to get elevated heart rate wise or just emotion wise he can stay in the game pretty good um Mm. i admire brad's decisions making he can make decisions like he's very very smart and in the heat of the moment he can make really um methodical decisions less reaction and more methodical you know um i admire joey's restarts and his aggression uh, and then like Kyle Bush can push the car harder than anybody and not make mistakes, which I feel like is really impressive. Um, you know, I, I'm really transparent with this stuff. If I pushed myself as hard as Kyle pushed, I wouldn't have the ability to get out of some of the situations he could get out of. Um, so I've always been impressed with how hard he can be at the limit without overstepping it. Wow. That's super interesting. And there's a lot more, like I said, I could probably go down the field and tell you, (laughs) but yeah, no, this is really good analysis. You might want to consider the TV career after this, honestly. Um, so this is sort of a wild card question. I'm mixing it up for each individual, individual driver and just asking whatever I feel like. And, uh, we just added our second child to the family and I know you have four kids all under the age of 12. I'm finding it challenging already (laughs) with just two. So can you please give me and uh, any sort of new parents with multiple 
children in the family sort of a, a tip or advice or how, how have you gotten through it uh, with your sanity still intact? Yeah, it's tough. Um, <clears throat> well, the first thing is a great wife. Um, my wife, she's she's just so good. We're, we're a good team. And so that's a big part of it. Um, but, you know, two is hard. One's hard. Two is really hard. Three and four wasn't like going from one to two. What your experience going from one to two is um, we felt that too is a big jump for us. So when we had two, we thought it was hard too. And then when we had three, it was a little bit harder. And then four wasn't that tough, actually. It, it was an extension of three. It didn't, it wasn't a game changer. Um, hmm. But two to three was, it's, it's a next step. But I think that you just learn how to manage your day better. You just learn, you, you learn less is more, right? Like, you can't be all things to everybody at the same time, your work, your, your family, your friends, you, you know, like, and it's seasonal. So there's seasons where you, you just got to be all in at home and you're just trying to stay alive and keep everybody alive. And then, you know, that calms down and there's seasons where you have hobbies and there's seasons where you're in school and you got to be engaged in that. And so, um, but less is more is something that we definitely have embraced here not trying to do every activity, not trying to be in every sport and not trying to be in, you know, taking a three-year-old to gymnastics. They're, it's not that big of a deal. They can wait till they're five. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So it's more like sort of forgiving yourself for not being able to be a hundred percent in every facet of your life. Right. It sounds like. Yeah, exactly. The only thing kids are going to remember is whether you love them or not. And that's it. Mm. I mean, so if you think about it like that and you just think about the moments through the day, that's the only thing you're going to remember. They're not going to remember how good of a story you wrote or what TV show you're on or how much money you made or what house you lived in. They're going to remember if you were distracted on their phone while they were trying to play with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a great point. So, Michael, this has become a remote work world. Uh, if you were uh, allowed to relocate to a different state than where your team shop is, where would you want to live? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like North Carolina, but, um, whew, I don't know. Uh, state, mm, probably Tennessee. Florida's too hot for me. I wouldn't want that. Texas is too much like the desert, but Tennessee is still pretty much like North Carolina. Okay. So not, not heading back to Arizona or anything like that. No, way too hot. For me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is a, an embarrassing mistake you've made on the track that you're comfortable sharing with us now? Oh, I've made a lot of embarrassing mistakes. Um, whew. I would think the most embarrassing one for me and not embarrassing from a, um, like a fan or spectator standpoint, but just from a competitive standpoint was at Sonoma. And I don't remember what year, but, um, Bobby Labonte and I were racing is when he was driving the JTG 47 car. And okay. I was, he was underneath me and I was trying to let him go in turn 11. Um, but I was trying not to lose two spots and I tucked in behind him really quickly and I mistimed it and I hooked him and it looked so uh, bad. And I mean, it looks like I was mad and I hooked him and put him in the wall and I didn't, it was like a completely honest mistake. But from a competition standpoint, that was probably the most embarrassing thing for me. Um, just because I wasn't trying to do that and it, and it looked so bad. It looked so blatant. Like I had it. I, when I watched it, I went, Oh my gosh. I mean, you can't just say that 
that was an accident. It looked so bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. So ha- did he, do you think he understood that when, when you explained it to him? This is what virtual interviewing is like. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I did. And I, I've always had a good relationship with him, but I think because I've had a good relationship, he allowed me to explain it because he was pretty upset. But I remember Brad Doherty yeah. called me personally that night and I drove for JTG. I drove for, you know, Tad and Jody and Brad. And he was like, well, why'd you do that? I thought we were, you know, like we were friends and I'm like, we are. And that wasn't, I didn't mean to, <laughs> it's like, I know yeah. it looked bad. Uh, so yeah, but you, you know, you have moments like that. Yeah, sure. If someone were to hand you an envelope and inside of this envelope was the date of your final career win, would you want to open it? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't want to. Yeah. I don't think, I don't like trying to think about too much of the future or knowing it. Um, you just Mm -hmm. kind of take it a day at a time and enjoy the journey and the process, you know? Um, so not for me, not now. Okay. Have you achieved your childhood dream? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not just my childhood dream, but my adult dream too. So you know, my dream growing up was to be a professional race car driver. And that was the dream. Um, and so obviously I've had the opportunity to do that. And then when I got into NASCAR, the dream for me was to win a race. And it wasn't the Daytona 500 or a particular race. It was to win a race. And so I feel like I've checked uh, both the boxes. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, um, obviously, uh, ask a driver to give me a question for the next interview each week. The last interview I did was with Jennifer Jo Cobb, okay. and her question was about the Daytona 500. Um, she says, uh, did you have any signs leading into the race that gave you extra confidence this year in particular? Um, yes, yes and no. So, yes, there was a few um text messages before the race that were different than normal, but you normally get some that are like, Oh, I think today's your day, you know? Um, but I had more than an abnormal amount of those, which, uh, wasn't strange until I went through the 700 texts that I had after the 500 and saw those very first ones before the race started of like, Oh, today's your day. I just feel it. Um, and then for me personally, I did have a real calm that day felt like I had a plan and felt really calm going into it. I didn't have the, I'm going to win today is I never think like that. Like I always plan on doing everything I can to try to win, but i never think about the actual I'm going to win if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I normally the 500, I'm very, very nervous and anxious and amped up and and i had some of those but not as much as normal so it felt a little strange because i'm like oh man i feel really calm it's kind of kind of abnormal for me Hmm, interesting so i don't know who the next interview is going to be with so you can either uh do a general question for the next driver or if you want me to double back with you when i know you can ask a specific question up to you. Yeah. Let me know when, you know, I'd rather ask an individual, especially if it's one of those guys that I mentioned early on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Yeah. All right, everybody. There you have it. 12 questions with Michael McDowell and really appreciate him coming on. I thought he was really insightful and enjoyed his advice on the parenting stuff as well. And by the way, um, I do have a question from him for the next interview. Uh, the next interview is going to be with Brad sweet 
the World of Outlaws champion and guy who's been on a real hot streak in sprint cars so far again this year. And so Michael's question for Brad is, how is the atmosphere and overall pressure different racing dirt versus when you raced in NASCAR? Uh, Brad Sweet, a former stock car driver as well. So I will ask Brad that question on the next edition of the 12 questions, which is coming at you next Wednesday for the athletic subscribers. Um, and that appears first behind the paywall. And then it appears Friday in the teardown feed free for everybody. Um, want to make sure that the subscribers get uh, a little bit of a head start there. So the written version comes out on Wednesdays and the paywall version of this podcast comes out Wednesdays and then the free version comes out Friday. So be sure to look for that. Um, I'm sure another good interview in store as Brad Sweet is always really fun to talk to and really insightful. So everybody, thanks so much for listening and I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast. <laughs>